This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bird Show. Kristen is about to talk uh, about her therapist and therapy, and I had this thought this morning that what a weird industry in that you're successful when your clients tell you that they don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a trip? Yeah, because I, I don't have another appointment until after the first of the year. Like this last appointment I had was um, I'm in a really good good place for the most part. Um, especially my husband and I, we have turned a corner and we're communicating better than we ever had. Uh, Meaning he's talking a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Taking his earbuds <laughs> out when I'm speaking. It's amazing. Um, no, we're just in, in in a good spot. And so when I, we, were, we were making our next appointment and she's like two weeks. And I was like, you know what? I think I'll see you in 2024. Isn't that great? Now, of course, if anything pops up and, you know, the world comes crashing down, um, I'll, I'll schedule an appointment. But no, I mean, yeah. yeah. The goal of a therapist mm-hmm. is for you not to see them anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I've been seeing her for, God bless, almost 10 years now, ever since, you know, I, I moved here. And this last session, um, I had another one of those. It, it wasn't so much as an aha moment. It's so funny when I'm, I'm trying to be defiant in my reasoning and she's just sitting there looking at me and I'm like, fine, <laughs> you're right and I'm wrong. Um, but I was talking about a situation that I wanted to fix because something I recognize about myself, I'm a fixer, like, and I'm a problem solver. And if there's a problem, I want to fix it. And I feel like there's a problem with one of the relationships in my life and I really want to fix it. I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to understand the why and I want to make it better. And as we were talking it out, you come to this realization in certain situations that this there's there isn't anything I can do to fix this. So I have to at some point take a step back and just say, all right, I quit. Mm hmm. Which is a really, really hard thing to accept and to do. It's kind of submitting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it almost feels, for me, it feels like a failure. It feels like I'm not trying. I feel like a failure. And, um, but in this instance, when we were talking out this particular situation, um, the other person, and this is when, when it's really hard to realize when you need to, t- need to take a step back. This is a them thing. This is not a me thing. And... I have to meet this person where they are at rather than to force them to meet me where I'm at. And my my take on fixing it actually could potentially make it worse because it could not be received in the manner I'm intending it to. So I'm sitting here listening to all this and I'm like, no, but I don't want it to be like this. And she's like, but it is. And at some point, you just have to accept that. And so I'm sitting here and I'm listening and I'm like, all right, well, 
I'm just going to stop trying. <laughs> and I'm going to quit. And You really can only, you know, it's a cliche, keep your side of the street clean, whatever you want to say. You can only control your side of things. Yes. And while it's maddening when you don't get the results maybe that you want, the yeah. truth of the matter is we don't have control over anything. Yeah, and I just, I, I really wanted to keep trying. But to to what avail? Like, I'm just going to, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different response. Um, and then Mel Robbins always, it's like, it's always impeccable timing. If you don't follow Mel Robbins, I, I mean, I adore her. I've been following her for years. She just gives some really solid advice. She's like a motivational speaker. And one of her Instagram slides is, stop wasting energy trying to get other people to meet your expectations. Mm -hmm. And you may feel like, I've had a, such a hard time trying to explain that because when you talk about expectations or lowering expectations, it's like you're sacrificing something of yourself and you're taking less than or you're you're not getting what you deserve. And that's really not the case. It's really acknowledging and recognizing that not everybody has the same priorities. Not everybody has the same passions. Not everybody has the same upbringing. Not everybody has the same life experiences. So they're going to look at life through a different lens. And at a certain point, you have to realize not everybody's going to care about the same stuff you do. And that's okay. It doesn't make them, you know, less than or, or worse. So when it comes to your life and your expectations and the people that you have surrounding you, you know, some of those expectations are going to match up and some of them are not. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're lowering your expectations. You maintain where you keep your expectations, but what you expect from others, you have to realize that they not be equipped to give you what you expect because you're just two very different people. When you totally subscribe to that, I you are going to feel so free. Yes. I mean, it's going to be like this weaning process. Where, it is. Because I've been in the same situation before where uh, you make some progress and then you slip up and you get all frustrated. But at some point, you'll really buy into it. And it is so freeing. So in this particular instance, instead of like beating my head against a wall and, you know, constantly trying to figure out how I can fix this, how I can make it better, because it's not it's not what it used to be. And things evolve and things change. And that's OK. So it doesn't mean like I'm writing this person off or you know, I, I'm like going to ghost them. I'm going to still like do what I've been doing. I'm just not going to go above and beyond because it's not going to be reciprocated. So let me ask you this future potential question, right? So mm -hmm. you submit, you back out of their life for the time that they need, right? Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate there being no resentment and you being on their timetable when they're now saying like, okay, ready for the relationship again? Yeah, no. I feel like that's a point of meeting somebody where they're at and accepting them for, for who they are and not taking it personal, which that was a big, another big conversation that we had um, this week was about not taking it personal, which I mean, it, it, that is so, so much easier said than done. It's so hard not to take it personal um, because again, it's, it's about what's going on in this person's life, not, not what's going on in mine. And I just, I have to respect that. So as far, I've really just come to a place of peace and acceptance and I'm just, I'm going to stop trying. <laughs> <laughs> not the worst assignment to receive. Right? <laughs> like, try easier. All right. Uh, that's, I mean, that's what you've been saying for freaking years. And that's, um, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm really at peace with that. The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. 
I have some really juicy audio for this e-buzz. Yeah, right after I have some juicy audio for the e-buzz. That's my bad. This has been coming on, man. My precious. And you know when you're around, so I've been this person. When you have like that scratchy throat and all and that guy, everybody around you is like clearing their throat and there's nothing wrong with their throat. I swear, I feel fine. I just, I'm just being possessed by Gollum today. But anyway, I'm telling you that I have really juicy audio today because... It's really mucusy today nice. in the studio. And it's about to be even more mucusy because I have some really, again, juicy audio. So I'm, I'm giving you a kid warning that if there are kids in the car, you might want to return to this segment um, at a later date on our podcast. But Jada Pinkett Smith is responding to claims that Will Smith had sex with Dwayne Martin. So during an interview on Unwind with Tasha Kay, Smith's former assistant claimed that he caught him and Dwayne Martin doing intimate activities on set. I'm on walkie talkie and they calling my cell phone. Yo, we need to get Will here. I'm like, yo, kind of like I'm trying to find is like, this is, this is unlike him, right? So all right, I open the um, door to Dwayne's dressing room and that's when I see Dwayne and having sex with Will. Let me process that for a second. <laughs> Thank you. There was a couch, and um, Will was bent over on the couch, and Dwayne was standing up, killing him. Murder. Like, what? What? Murder. What? What? It was murder in there. Okay. <laughs> he doubled it. He <laughs> doubled and tripled that. Murder. Murdering it. Murder, Kristen. <laughs> murder. Okay, that's so cross. Like, what, what, what job is it of him to even disclose that, even if it's remotely yeah, true? So right. he, he was like. You're outing people. Like, that's gross. He was like his right-hand man. Uh, so he, I, I'm not sure what his motivation is on outing him now, but they were really super tight back in the day. You might know more about this relationship than I do. Yeah, that was his best friend and his former assistant, so uh, I don't know why he's choosing to come out now with this information. How are you going to go into what Jada's response was? Because I think Jada has a theory as to why she thinks he's doing this, but yeah. that's really messed up. It is. It's foul. It was very corny. I have no idea why he's doing it. Yeah, so Jada's response was actually caught on camera by TMZ. They're like, what are you going to do about these allegations? So they're going to be taking legal action, and she did mention on a, um, the Breakfast Club podcast where she mentioned like a money shakedown where there's some kind of money situation involved where he tried to take action just for the sake of getting money. And so it just seems like it's a very weird business, personal situation gone wrong. Yeah, she claimed that him and Will had some kind of business that they were working on together. And I guess he felt like Will didn't give him enough money. Uh-huh. So so Will gave him an offer. He gave him a number and the guy didn't like the number. So he said, if you don't up the ante, then I'm going to do what I have to do. And apparently that video is what he had to do. Yeah, and I don't know if it's true or not. It's not any of my business. But when, outside of the murdering part, which was shocking, uh, killing it, just <laughs> murder it, just murder it. <laughs> uh, I wasn't shocked by that. Like, if that is part of Will Smith's life, I, w- I wasn't shocked that that would be going on. Those rumors have been circulating for years. So I I don't think anybody was shocked at the act of it, but certainly the way he told the story uh, helped it go viral. It's so like gratuitous and Mm -hmm. like salacious. And again, like what you're doing is potentially outing somebody. And that to me is just downright gross. My dude, Will Smith just needs to just forget about 2023. (laughs) This has been rough, man. (laughs) Was the slap this year or last year? I think it was last Last year. year. Last year. These last two years. He's having a rough couple years. Yeah, he is. But Jada Pinkett Smith must must love this news because now we have found someone who is willing to out more of Will's private information than she is. Uh. So good for, good for her. But um, there's, there's one more piece of audio that I want to play purely just because it's, very um, salacious and juicy and just completely 
out of pocket. He started talking about um, his Will Smith's assistant on the same podcast, Unwind with Tasha K. He started ex- uh, insinuating that Jada might not have been satisfied physically in this relationship. You saw her say that Will Smith had a small d- I am saying to you, if a woman is used to something the size of a baby leg and you come in with a pinky toe, <laughs> there's nothing you can do to please her. You can buy her 80 cars. You can get her 80 <laughs> private jets. If she's itching for that baby leg, she wants that baby leg. This dude's messed up. And I watched the video. They're showing a picture of her and Tupac. Yeah, they are. At They're the time, yeah. suggesting that that's who came in with. You know, <laughs> this yep. just sounds like a dude with a ch- with a sh- with a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> it does sound like that. Like Jada's story actually sounds accurate this time of this being some kind of money grab yeah. and him just shock factor all over the place. <laughs> Who knew this was going to be such a big year for Tupac? <laughs> 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 all right. On the Unwind with Tasha K podcast. Uh, <laughs> Will Smith is waking up in the morning going, "What's going to happen today?" Yeah, <laughs> Jada claims that Will is laughing about all of it, but I, I find that a little hard to believe. Yeah, Halsey says she had to hire snipers after. Con- she made on social media. I'll explain why on your next eBuzz on the Burt Show. The Burt Show. All right, Abby. Before we get into what being "quote unquote" too picky on dating apps really means, means let's go through uh, a couple of these new dating trends that that are going to be shifting in 2024. Okay. Um, Bumble did a survey and found that 63% of adults say age is not a defining factor. And women are more open to dating somebody younger now than they ever have before. Do you agree or disagree? I think it kind of depends on your age because I'm in like my mid to late 20s at 26. Going any younger than like 24 is an absolute no-go for me just because you're in a completely different phase of life. Now, catch back with me in nine years and I'm 35. Absolutely would be more than willing to date someone who was like 29, 30. 35% have become less judgmental when it comes to age gaps and relationship green dating green dating do you know what that is Mm-mm. uh or wanting your partner to have the same values is also on the rise shouldn't it have always been there why yes. is that called green dating don't know uh 33 of users poll said it's a turn off someone isn't aware of current events mm, yeah i can see that it seems like you're putting your head in the sand one third believe emotional intimacy is more important than sex yeah i think that's accurate at least from the female standpoint. Hmm. By the way, I just Googled green dating hmm? and there are dating sites for um, people who are like-minded as far as environmentally. So oh. you can go to like an eco-conscious dating site. You can compost together. You can. There's also a green singles dating site and it's all for vegan dating and vegetarian singles. That's oh, perfect. Because no. oh. there's nothing more annoying than going out to dinner with someone <laughs> than being like, I'm vegan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one third, like I said, emotional intimacy is more important than sex. Although I do think that when you're emotionally intimate that the physical sex is way better, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it. All right. So being too picky on dating apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I finally cracked the code as to why dating Gollum is back. (laughs) Gollum never left, boo. (laughs) Gollum comes in and out today. So I think I finally cracked the code as to why dating apps will never work for me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need water? No. <laughs> some, some. You need a couple of, a couple just, of new lungs or anything? <laughs> I'm really fine. Okay. She says as dust flies out of her mouth. 
<laughs> Are you getting the same so, cold that everybody else is getting right now? Yeah, it yeah, just comes in, comes in and out. Yeah. Anyway, so I finally cracked the code as to why dating apps will not work for me. And uh, no, it's not just because men are not interested in me. Um, I have my theories as to why I don't like them. I've I had a couple of things floating around in my head. And I think the top one for me is probably um, because I, I typically like guys who are a little bit more forward, a little bit more aggressive. And I think dating apps provide a very golden opportunity for men to be more passive. And I'm not super into that. Really? Because this is exactly the opposite of what I've heard from people that are on dating apps. Like, it's usually a dude playing nice once or twice, and then he goes right in for the aggressiveness. Well, I think just all guys are putting on a mask until they show you who you really are, but I well, think they... women, too. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what people think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that knows no gender, no bounds. <laughs> the crazy gonna come out somehow, but that's probably just a very specific reason for me in terms of, like, what I'm attracted to and why dating apps might not be the place that I'm gonna find my person. But then I saw saw someone else on the internet put it into words for why they think it won't work for a majority of women specifically. So this is from TikTok. It's the user at webkinshoer143. And she says it's probably because you're into Jeremy Allen White. The reason I know in my heart of hearts that dating apps don't work is not because I'm a longtime unsuccessful user of Hinge or that I was a Bumble ambassador in college, also unsuccessful. It's not even because I've been on probably 10 first dates this year and all of them have been bad. It's because I find Jeremy Allen White attractive. And let me explain. I never watched Shameless. I completely like missed that train and now it's too late. I'm never going to. But my friends would be like, oh, lip from Shameless is like just so hot. I would see pictures of this man and be like, whom? He's so what? And then the bear comes out and I'm like, I get it. I see it. I understand now. And now I can see photos of him and be like, yes, I get it. But there's something about seeing a person in action, seeing their mannerisms, the way they carry themselves, mm -hmm. that you aren't getting on a dating app. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I am judging these people as if they should be as hot as Jacob Elordi in any photo he's ever in. What's so funny is I just saw my first interview of Jeremy Allen White with Amelia Demonholder from uh, The Chicken Shop Date. And I always thought he was super hot in photos. And then I saw him in the interview and I was like, Ugh. Um, wasn't what I expected. But I know exactly what she's talking about because I did have one somewhat successful situationship where I had actually met the guy once between mutual friends, like out at a bar, like very briefly. And I had always thought he was cute, but he had had a girlfriend at the time. So then like a year or two later, I had seen him on Bumble and his profile was trash. But the only reason I swiped right on him is because I actually knew who he was. Mm -hmm. I knew his mutual mm -hmm. friends. And I was like, okay, this guy's worth going out with. So I think it's totally fair that for most people that you're seeing on a dating app, like sure, they might not be the most photogenic person in the world, but you you would probably swipe right on them if you saw them in real life. Mm. Yeah, well, aren't dating apps really just, um, it's the gateway drug to seeing each other in person, right? I, I, you would oh, think so. Some mm -hmm. people like to have a pen pal, but I, it's different because like when I go out to a bar, I will see probably five or six guys that I think are absolutely attractive. And I'm probably, and I'm thinking, well, why aren't they on the dating apps? And the reality is, is they probably are, but most people don't have amazing photos or look amazing in pictures, but the way that they move throughout the world or the way they carry themselves mm -hmm. makes them very attractive, especially when you can see how tall they are in real life. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. I mean, depending because... It's like the Pete Davidson factor. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it really honestly is because, I mean, looks isn't everything. It really isn't. And, then, you know, to each their own as far as, like, what they find attractive and beautiful, but the way a person carries themselves and mm -hmm. how they move can make them either so much more attractive or 
were so much more repulsive. Right, but you got to get in front of them to see that. You got to see it in person. The The Bird Show. So let's stick with dating here because we get this email uh, and she's wondering, is she being disrespectful by making friends with a dude while she's already in a relationship? Uh, Kristen has the email. I do, because I proofread it like 10 times to cut it down. <laughs> she's very sweet, but she's very wordy. All right. Hi, Word Show. I've never written into the show before, but I need y'all's help with the dating situation. A few days ago at the park, I was approached and asked out by a guy. This might seem like a frequent occurrence to some women, but this has pretty much never happened before and certainly hasn't happened in the almost three years I've been dating my boyfriend. We were walking opposite ways on a trail, so we were passing each other about every half mile. And we both do that little awkward smile wave that you do when you pass somebody when you're hiking. The third time we passed each other, he stopped and he asked for my name. And then he introduced himself and asked the classic line, do you come here often? I told him I just started coming back, but I used to play soccer at the park. And he said he also used to play soccer at the park here. Oh my God, you're so connected. Then he finally asked me, would you want to hang out sometime? I hesitated and told him that I have a boyfriend and he was very respectful about it and we went our separate ways. Afterwards, I told my boyfriend and he was glad I turned him down, which is the reaction I expected. When I told my parents, they said it would be fine to hang out since he asked me to hang out and didn't use the words, go on a date. Oh, your parents don't like your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Clearly. I know that. (laughs) That that line threw me for a loop. They thought maybe he just wanted to make a friend. (laughs) After finding out we had soccer in common. Yeah, I bet. It's hard because the guy was very genuine and nice, and I'm sure it took a lot of courage to talk to me. It's a trap. It would have been easier to reject and move on if he was a D-bag creep and if he was unattractive. The combination of him finding me as attractive as I as I am naturally, him shooting a shot organically at a park, and this being the first time someone approached me in public made me feel extremely flattered. Now, just for some context, my boyfriend and I met through mutual friends, been dating since our senior year of high school. Now we're both college students living at home, commuting to school. So I don't have friends to hang out with besides him. And it's hard to make friends at school. So I've been looking for ways to make more friends. Absolutely not. My dilemma (laughs) is that my curiosity is getting the best of me. I was so caught up in this romance movie-like moment that I forgot his name. I feel like a bad girlfriend because I'm hoping to run into him again to talk to him to at least get a sense of who he is. I haven't been faced with temptation like this during our relationship before. We're kind of having a dry spell. We're very comfortable with each other. So there's obviously less of a spark than when we first got together. I feel like my boyfriend would not take it well if I told him I just wanted to be friends with this guy and walk with him at the park. You think? (laughs) He trusts me. But he thinks the guy has other intentions. Duh. I don't know what to do and feel like I'm not being loyal to my boyfriend for feeling this way. And I love him very much. Is it okay to just walk with this dude at the park if I am honest and communicative with boundaries? Am I overthinking this? What do I do? So something like this happened to me. Um, I had met somebody, just chatted out in public. We found out we had tennis in common, common. He's like, oh, we should play a game. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I went home and told Chad, my boyfriend, and he goes, that guy is trying to date you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, he's not. We're just playing tennis. And he goes, Cassie. Uh-huh. And so I immediately texted the dude and I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I got the wrong idea. I have a boyfriend. I'm good. And just dropped it like, oh, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I didn't notice. My issue with this is that she's excited to see this guy again. And I think that's where it starts to be like, "Mm, do you really just want to be friends? Like, if this were a girl, 
Would you be as excited to see her again? And I think that's where you got to stop and ask yourself. Because I think guys and girls can be friends. And they can be totally platonic if both people are on board and it doesn't sound like you're on board, especially if you've been going through a dry spell. Well, you've said that you don't think that men and women can be totally friends if one thinks the other one is attractive. I think it's rare. I mm-hmm. think it's very, very rare. I mean, it happens, but most of the time, I do believe that one person is attracted to the other. And just a PSA for ladies, I personally have never known a man in my life that walked around looking at women and going, she looks like she'd make a really good friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's not a thing. No, it, it is not. <laughs> it does not happen. So Bro, I, thank God we find each other repulsive. We're good to go. Yay! Yay! You're so ugly! You're so ugly! Thank you! Friends for life! Forever! <laughs> she is so, ugly. so wholesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wrong. It's completely wrong, and that's the reason she doesn't want to tell a boyfriend. Yeah, I had to explain this to my parents parents too because they're like well why don't you just go out on dates with boys and maybe at the very least you can be friends with them and I'm like yeah a guy has always taken over being rejected sexually well and wanted to be friends with the girl after so I think because you have a crush on this guy because that's what it sounds like mm-hmm. I think you gotta hold back look um when you when you sacrifice your values or you end up in an affair or in a situation you're not supposed to end up in it starts with the first decision The first choice, okay? So here's the first choice right here, okay? If you don't do anything with it, you're safe. Everything's fine. You are about to make a decision that is going to put you in a very bad situation. And this will be the first of many if you end up going out with this guy. But you can stop it right now. No, she's going to go to Amazon and get those, like, workout pants that go up the butt crack. And then she's going to go walking in in that park on that trail again. (laughs) Strutting her stuff. The Burt Show. Told you guys a while back I started this uh, podcasting network called Pioneer. And one of the first podcasts that I um, added to the network was called Honest Women with Andrea Berkeley and Jessica Hutchinson. And it's really, really good. It's really, really good. That's why they're part of the network. Uh, they are two therapists and they just give out advice and personal details about their own life in a way that really makes their advice uh, palpable and you connect on such a personal level. So we started doing this free therapy Thursday a while back. This was Kristen's idea. Yeah, because we're all we're all of us are such huge advocates of therapy on the show. I think all of us are in therapy, which is also why we're in yeah. radio. The two kind of go hand in hand. You know, this whole validation and attention seeking thing. <laughs> um, and you know, we preach a lot about therapy, but I know there are some people that those that's just not an option for them, whether it's uh, financial means or otherwise. So we thought, hey, a way to make this a little more uh, you know accessible you know accessible to people is to do a free therapy Thursday. So listeners will submit emails, and then we have actual professionals on. Not us with our rando advice, but real professionals on to give solid advice. And Andrea Berkeley is like a real professional. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Andrea. Hey, Bert. Hey, everybody. Good morning. 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 All right. So we read this email, man, and we knew immediately this was above our pay uh, pay grade. Uh, As soon as it said Mm -hmm. pansexual, we're like, all right, call Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll read you the email and see what you got. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. The email reads, hi. So for the last year or so, I've listened to you guys every morning before I got up. I was just really hoping that one of you, whether it be an LGBTQ plus member of the show or not, could help me out. I am a 16-year-old proud pansexual living under my very, very unsupportive parents' roof. Since they found out, our house has been a war zone. They are doing their best to, I guess this is the best way to put it, scare me into being a straight person. Needless to say, it isn't working. 
They've gone as far as threatening conversion therapy against me. They've even called our church preacher. With everything that they've done and the things they've said, I've just become increasingly sadder by the day. I was hoping that one of you doesn't necessarily have to be an LGBTQ plus member, but it might be a bit better if it was. I'm not sure, to be honest. Could possibly give some advice as to how to healthily manage the sadness. I love my parents, and I know they love me. We still get along just fine when they forget about my sexuality and beliefs, but until they can realize that I'm not trying to force them to accept me or that their words and actions hurt, I need to find a way to manage it all. Thanks in advance and signing off with love. All right, this is how disconnected I am here in why we had to have Andrea on. I had to look up what pansexuality was, to be honest with you. And the Mm -hmm. classic example is pansexuality is sexual, romantic, or emotional attraction towards people of all genders or regardless of their sex or gender identity. They love everybody. Love everybody. Oh, what an Mm -hmm. awful place to be in. I just love everybody. (laughs) It sounds great, actually. So, Andrea, um, the question here really, I think, is more towards the parents, maybe, and how she's dealing Mm -hmm. with her parents' reaction. Yep. Yep. Well, before I jump in, I just have to say, so you guys, uh, thank you for calling me. I'm so honored that you would trust me with this question. It is a big one. And so I know this is my first 30 seconds on the show, but Mm -hmm. I'm asking for a rebrand. Free Therapy Thursday is a wonderful idea, but today it's going to be Therapeutic Thursday because I am a licensed therapist and I want to make sure that Everybody listening knows that this is not therapy. The reason that I really want to emphasize that is because the word that I saw coming up again and again, and like I can feel my heart hurt hearing this message from this listener, is sad. Mm -hmm. And we know, it's very well documented that LGBTQ plus kids are at a much higher risk of depression, anxiety, and even attempting suicide. And one of the risk factors that contributes to that is not having support at home. And so this listener is really in a precarious position and they're trying to do something, handling this level of sadness. It, it could turn really quickly into pretty deep depression. Mm-hmm. And so I just want this listener to know that they, in addition to what I'm about to say, that they deserve and probably need real mental health support from a therapist that works with them directly. And not one, by the way, that practices conversion therapy. That is banned by many states in the U.S. It is um, not allowed, according to the American Counseling Association. So someone who practices that is obviously not the person that you want to see. I actually recommend that you reach out to or research the Trevor Project, Mm. where therapists are really well-versed in offering not just therapy or ongoing therapy, but even crisis therapy. So if you're in a bad situation, if this gets to be too much, I want you to know that you can text the word start to 678-678 and you can be connected with a crisis counselor that can help support you, one that's knowledgeable and one that can really step in. That's a really important one right there. Why don't you repeat that and then we'll put that up on the website as well. Yes. So you can connect with counselors from the Trevor Project by texting the word start to 678-678. It's really easy. They're available 24 hours a day. And these are people who understand you, who support you and affirm you. And that is what you deserve. 100%. So how do you want to tackle this today then? Oh, man. Okay. So it doesn't mean I don't have opinions. I certainly do. And it doesn't mean that I don't have good advice. I certainly do. 
So the first thing that I know, and, and Bert, you mentioned this, is that this young listener's community has been shaken, right? Um, the relationship with the parents. And that's something that sounds like it's been very positive and supportive and loving in every other area, but not this one. So of course you're sad and of course you're hurting. And what we want to do is find a way to really shore up your community outside of your home, right? We want to find some friends, like I said, a therapist, um, a support group that can really fill in the gap while you're experiencing this break in relationship with your parents. Also, we want to address what's going on with your parents. So I'm sorry that you've had to learn this really important lesson so early, but parents are people too. And people, they don't get it right all the time. And so there's a lot of gray area here. You've got a relationship with people who are so important to you and they, they love you and you love them. And this is hurting you. And I just want to let you know that it's okay to manage that inside your home by setting a boundary. And what that means is you can say to your parents, I love you. And I know you love me. And because of that, I'm asking that we don't talk about these things. I let you into this part of my life. You haven't been able to handle it. And so I just, I'm not going to try to justify or argue or defend or explain. I just think that this is something that we're not going to share. That is such and, a difficult conversation for adults to have with their adult parents. So at 16 right. years old, I don't want to dismiss how difficult that is to say, but it is the healthy thing to say. It is. It is. And sometimes saying it ahead of time, like I am not minimizing how hard that would be. I mean, it makes me nervous to say it out loud as an adult. And yet it could start to lay a framework for you guys to have a relationship, um, you know, that's outside of the moment where you're really in conflict. So if you wait until your parents are threatening in some way to say that it's probably not going to go as well. But if you try to find a calm moment and say that in a heart to heart way, at least you're floating the idea out there that this isn't up for discussion kind of, you know, Angie, um, I, um, I, I want to ask you this question also, cause I, I feel a little bit more harsh inside when it comes to the parenting of this situation yeah. than, than yeah. you are. Um, and you're right. Parents are human, but it almost mm-hmm. feels like to me that the stakes are too high for a parent to mess this one up, especially when you're talking uh, about depression and you're talking yeah. about suicide. So from the parent's standpoint, when you have two parents that are just digging in like this right now, mm-hmm. what can you say to the parents mm-hmm. to get them to be more open-minded and make sure that their kid is healthy, even if you don't understand it and it might go against what you think your values are. Right, right. I so agree with you, Bert. And if I could swoop into this situation and I could say, hey, we're not going to be experiencing this, this pain and suffering. The stakes are too high. The pain is too great. I would do it. And yet I know that we, I know that I can't do that. I think if I were to speak directly to the parents, I would ask them to center their child, right? At the end of the day, they have obviously um, a religion that's speaking into their world. They have their own experiences. They have the things they understand or don't understand. But at the end of the day, it's, it's their child that matters. And we want to put that child first. You can love your child fully and completely without getting them or understanding mm-hmm. 
everything that they are or everything that they do. Andrea, good idea or a bad idea? Um, so I thought this 16-year-old is just was so eloquent in their in their email, mm-hmm. obviously mature beyond their years with what they're yeah. having to deal with right now. Um, and I know the words can be very hard to find to, to speak to your parents when you're in a situation like this. So good idea or a bad idea if they sat their parents down, like you said, during a calm moment, mm-hmm. not when like everything is, you know, they're, they're in the heat of a moment, in a calm moment, and just said, hey, I want you to listen to something and play this segment for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love that idea. I... You know, like I said, I wish that I could sit down with this family Mm -hmm. and walk them through more. You know what I mean? But sure, I think this is a good version of triangulating, right? Sometimes in the heat of the moment between a parent and a child or a wife and a husband or any pair of friends, right? The emotions take over and they can't hear. But sometimes if you bring in another perspective, an outside source, you know, parents can go to the Trevor Project website too. And they can try to understand their child more. They can understand their child's experience, right? Because if you can turn your eyes away from this content of, you know, what is it that you believe? Who is it that you are? And what do I think about that? And you turn your eyes back to the person and you understand that this person, your child, your beloved child is hurting and in pain because of this. I think you can bridge some of that gap. That's great. Great advice. Andrea, uh, I'm proud to have you part of the Pioneer Network. You're outstanding. Yeah. This is an impossible task here to try it to is. tackle this in 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. And I like your rebrand, Therapeutic Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's Andrea Berkeley, uh, Jessica Hutchison also. It's called Honest Women. It's a really, really great podcast. I'm very proud to have it on Pioneer. All right, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye-bye. And it's worth mentioning again, Trevor Project. Yes. Okay? Parents, kids, both can go. Trevor Project. The Bird Show. We're going to get into the entertainment buzz here in just one second. But before we do, I want to continue this nonsense with Mo. (laughs) We bring the the bed down for a second here. Mo told us earlier that, you know what, 100%, not totally down with Christmas. A lot of pressure. As a man, he feels a lot of pressure. A couple other reasons also. Okay, Christmas is for you, you're not, whatever, okay. But then, you want to change history and tell us that Jesus' birthday isn't even on December 25th. So, yeah, I, um, like I said earlier, a <laughs> lot Kristen of... turning to you with her arms all folded. Yeah, preach! <laughs> uh, it's not coming from me. This is from my DMs. I was shocked uh, that a lot of people in my DMs felt the same way about Christmas or a lot worse about Christmas than I did. And someone told me that the whole thing is a fraud because Jesus wasn't actually born in December. They believed that he was born in, I think, I said April. And then I went and looked at more DMs, and there were a few more people saying... If this is true, the man wasn't even born in December. Jesus is also a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> just, another thing, just another thing you and Jesus have in common. Yeehaw, baby. <laughs> Both turning water into what? <laughs> well, how can there be this mix-up in history? How is this possible? Well, I mean, it's because of when Christianity first became widespread, they attached to a lot of pagan holidays like the winter solstice and the spring solstice solstice, and kind of meshed those celebrations to make it an easier integration for people to celebrate Christianity. So we can still celebrate Jesus's birthday in December. It might just not be his actual birthday. Huh. It's a belated birthday. Happy like, belated B-Day, Jesus. Just, just think about it. Like when we celebrate Easter, there are Easter bunnies. 
Like, and flowers and eggs. Like, Mm. what does it have to do with Christianity? Nothing, but it has everything to do with the spring solstice, which was a celebration of fertility and rebirth and growth. I feel like distancing myself from these conversations. (laughs) He said cancel Christmas earlier. He said Jesus' birthday, and he used the word fraud. I am (laughs) distancing myself. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. Just accept it. Entertainment buzz. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the virtual. Halsey said she had to hire snipers after comments she made about Palestine. But before we get into that, Gen Z, I hope you're in the mood for Italian today. Now, if you're over the age... Stick with me. Stick with me. That was stupid. No, it's not, Kristen. This is my segment. It's very well thought out. She, she can't let it go. She can't entirely let it go. So if you're over the age of 30, this is probably going to go over your head. But today is a big deal for anybody who grew up watching. Cassie knows. She's the exception. This is a Today's a big deal for anybody who grew up watching Sweet Life on deck. Because 15 years ago, Disney Channel icons Zach and Cody tried to make a reservation at an exclusive Italian restaurant in one of the episodes. And in about... Four hours Italian time, their reservation will finally be ready at Gigi's. Of course. Ah, I can squeeze you in at 7.30. Perfect. On November 16, 2023. That's in 15 years. But I don't feel like Italian that day. Next. It feels like a significant day, kind of like in Back to the Future. I know back in 2015 on October 21st, it was kind of, felt like a significant day because back Wait. in the 80s. What? Are you comparing the sweet life hey. to back no, for their no. generation, Tommy? Keep your mind open. Oh, my She's not gosh. comparing the two. She's just talking about as far as a date that sticks Don't out to people. Don't even mention those in the same sentence. It feels like a significant day for no reason. And yes, I did go to Publix and get some marinara sauce for my pasta tonight. <laughs> I'm in the mood for Italian because I can't make it all the way to Gigi's. But shout out to the Sweet Life on deck. You raised me. And then the actors, I'm sure, going to have to do something with this, right? If we Gen Z has been on social media, like, how do we commemorate this day that we've literally been waiting for? Same thing happened with Zoe 101 with the time capsule. Ten years later, we were like, what do we do? And then no one really did anything. So I'm just going to have some... Penny. So <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming like Olive Garden's going to be packed tonight and Carabas is going to be packed tonight. Macaroni Girl's going to be packed tonight. I hope so. Just a bunch of Gen Zers asking for that never ending possible. <laughs> Celebrating our youth. <laughs> All right, back to Halsey. So she said she had to hire snipers after comments she made about Palestine. So fans nowadays are really big nowadays are really big on having their favorite artists speak out on certain social issues. And a lot of Gen Z will honestly have a problem with them if they don't. So Halsey explained on her Instagram story that she has kept her mind quiet or kept her uh, social media quiet about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, She says due to cowardice. She said her previous comments in support of Palestinian people put her life in danger. She said during my last tour I had a volume of violent and threatening events occur that resulted in my home being swatted multiple times and required the presence of snipers in the sky during most of my shows that summer. After that happened I made a conscious decision to protect my family from people who plan to enact violence towards me in disagreement of my opinions. Mm. And then she concluded her her um, 
her new statement with her stance regarding the liberation, uh, the liberation of the Palestinian people, and will be making a sizable donation to relief and support organizations. So that is her stance on the matter. Mariah Carey is mentioning an unfinished song that she had with Prince. She said in the early 2000s, she actually went to Paisley Park to try and write music with him. So I went to Paisley Park with the, an idea. So I was like, okay, well, I have this little song. And, and we kind of like worked on it. And then I was so nervous because it was Prince and we were in the studio. Right. And I'm like, come on. He was like, okay, well, finish. Because I was like, well, I just kind of want to do a ballad. And I don't know. It was me being really nervous because yes. it was Prince. But we didn't finish that song. And I'll never forgive myself for that. Oh, I know. Big regrets, especially with like someone like Prince, such an icon. Such a bummer. For more stories, head to thebirdshow.com. Click eBuzz. The Bird Show. Question for all the parents out there. Is it ever okay to correct your spouse's parenting in front of the kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is, oh, hell no. What about if it's a child under the age of two? Two or younger. Or even, yeah, two no. and younger. I think when kids don't understand things, they can still feel things in their soul. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, I do too. What's your definition of correcting? Because I have definitely redirected conversations (laughs) Uh and things that are said without saying that like daddy's wrong. Mm -hmm. I just sort of redirect the conversation and then he and I will talk later about it. So what happened was Mm -hmm. um, I handle the bath time at bedtime for our two-year-old Jimmy. You know, my husband, obviously, I'm not there in the mornings to get up with him and take him to school. Bart handles mornings. I handle evenings. And for the record, my husband and I have since discussed this. Um, There were apologies. You know, sometimes you're just stressed and things come out in the wrong manner and we're good to go. We are communicating so good right now, you guys. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Um, But I was, this this was a moment as I am in the, the, I guess you can't call it a nursery anymore, Cassie. I guess it's just Jimmy's room, isn't it? Yeah. If you're not nursing, it ain't a nursery. I only got 12 more summers left. Hold Um, on a second. What? I never put those two things together. A nursery. That they called it a nursery because nursing's going on. (laughs) I swear to God, I never put that together. Oh, you guys were today Mm. years old. That's That's like people when you tell them that breakfast is like breaking your fast. They're like, what? But wait a minute. It's a nursing home, and there's no nursing going on there. Yes, there is because uh. you can be a nurse, and the act of being a nurse is nursing. I was joking. I was oh, trying to oh make I was joke. like, really? I was <laughs> like, there's an entire professionalist thing wasn't. going on. <laughs> I was following Kristen on that. Also, okay. you don't know what those old people get up to. They got a lot of STDs. When my granny was in her assisted living place, she constantly told us it was a brothel. And we're like, no, it's not. You got dementia. You don't know what you're talking about. And turns out those places get randy. Anyway, back to being in Jimmy's room and putting him to bed. And I know this kid slow rolls me at night. All right. I know mm. I'm being played. I, I'm very aware of this. Okay. They will find every freaking excuse, man. And their little two and three year old minds think they're so much smarter than right? you are. Oh, yeah. So he's two and a half and he's like he does think he's being masterful. And so, you know, it, it wasn't a, a smooth night. I, you know, took a little effort to get the sleep sack on, whatever. And he wanted one more story. So he's repeatedly asking me for one more story. 
FYI, I'm not going to read another book. We read several books, and I always let him know, last book, okay? Does he call you out if you skip pages? I used to skip pages with my kids, and Hayden knew it every single time. Okay, not yet. Okay. <laughs> However, there are some books that he has memorized now. Uh-huh. So if I were to skip a page in the Piggy and Gerald book, he would 100% know. So, um, and I am sitting there, and I had patience that night, right? My husband obviously did not. My patient's cup was full. His patient's cup was empty. And so I'm not going to sit there and like yell at him and force him to do something. I'm trying to get him to understand. And I will be, it's repetitive, right? And it's mind numbing. But I'm like, no, Bubba, no more stories. It's, you know, mama will sing you a song and then it's time to go to bed. And he's like constantly asking. And then that's when Bart comes to the door. And in that moment, he goes, I can't remember verbatim what he said, but it, to an extent was like, you know, you, you got to stop arguing with him. You got to put your foot down. Like he's playing you, blah, blah, blah. You can't, you can't negotiate with the terrorists. All, you know, all this stuff, right? And he's just, he, he needs to get to bed. It's already late, blah, 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 all this stuff, right? As I'm sitting here in, in my domain, <coughs> excuse me. Oh no, I caught the golem. You know, I, I'm, I'm in my domain, in my moment, right? Like my responsibility. And so Bart, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm not engaging because I got Jimmy right here. I don't want to have this conversation in front of our son. Like if this is something you want to hit me up with afterwards, uh-huh. by all means. So he leaves because Bart always comes in and I've made, you know, like he kisses Jimmy goodnight and he says, I love you. And so we finally get past the one story thing. I'm singing him a song. I put him down. He cries. I have to go back in there, do a little more soothing. And then I leave and then we're all good. And so I go downstairs, excuse me, and I make the request, please don't correct me or correct my parenting in front of Jimmy. He's like, he's two and a half. He has no idea. And I'm like, I beg to differ. I said the S word the other day and he said it too. Like he's picking up on a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so I'm curious your take. Uh, I'm with you on this one. Um, I don't know that he knows exactly what is being said or what the tension is all about, but I do feel like <laughs> kids pick up on tension. And when that kind of argument goes around, I think that they start to understand or have a perception of who might be in charge. And my thing is like, if you have an opinion by all means, you know, let's have a conversation about it. If you have a critique, if you have a criticism, because, um, you know, I often feel like I'm getting criticized and he just feels like he feels like he's getting giving me helpful tips. Mm-hmm. We've had a difference of opinion there. Just the tips. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah. Some, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it. but we just we we had to agree to disagree until the next morning. He came down and apologized and said, hey, I was in a really bad space. I don't know what's going on with me, so I'm sorry I I was out of line. Yeah, that's undermining you. And the thing is, even if you disagree, it's just going to teach Jimmy that anytime you say anything, you can go to dad and get a different answer. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I don't think you should have, try. you should try not to have any tension in front of the kids at any age. I think they can pick up on a lot quicker than we think they can. Yeah, you're doing your best. Go parents. <laughs> um, I'm in no mood to judge. In no, in no position to judge, I should say. I think we're all under uh, the same agreement that Bart's just not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> it has been said. Yep. Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.